and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. Welcome to episode 41. Today we're going to be talking about travel fitness versus travel fatness. Travel fatness definitely comes more natural to me than travel fitness, <laughs> I have to admit. To say, well, I think actually both of them come more naturally to me. In the last year, I think I got both fatter and fitter, if that's possible. Strangely, after our last year of travel, we have discovered that I lost weight and got fitter. You got fitter, but you didn't actually Definitely lose a lot got of weight. Fatter. No, I put no. on weight. So yeah. I got both fitter and fatter. So it's very interesting to discuss how fitness and fatness are correlated to each other and not necessarily one or the other. You can be both or neither. And yeah, we're going to discuss some various approaches, techniques that can help you stay fit when you travel specifically. Um, we've been full time nomads now for two years. And we've definitely had some challenges with regards to fitness and fatness on the road. We've had certain times when it's just been easier. Uh, obviously, where you are and how you travel plays a role. And we're going to be discussing the importance of combining exercise also with good diet. Yes. So, in case you it's your first time to our podcast, welcome. And if you don't know who we are, you can find us at www.wewillnomad.com. We travel and we write and we talk. <laughs> and clearly we eat. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> we like food and food is a big part of why we travel as well. So yes. that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely important. But at the same time, we also travel to have experiences. And very often those experiences are fitness related in a way because we want to climb volcanoes or swim across lakes and do fun things. And also remember that you do go to foreign destinations and a big part of that is to absorb a bit of the culture, try the food, which is not something you would normally have where you come from. And the idea is not to isolate yourself from it. Otherwise, you're just living in different parts of the world without actually experiencing it. So you shouldn't not try new things. Yep. But you've got to be careful that you don't do what we did last year in Penang <laughs> and eat every single sweet Malaysian dessert we could find. And then eat the ones you like a little bit more. Exactly. So maybe before we continue, let me just uh, make it clear. We are no not in any way claiming to be experts on health, diet, fitness, or otherwise. We know a little bit of all of it, but we mostly uh, know most about traveling. But we would like to share our experiences, and maybe you can learn a little bit from it. Just keep in mind that uh, we're not making any specific recommendations with regards to what you should and should not be doing or eating. Everybody should look for something that fits them and their lifestyle, and also take into consideration their uh, health and medical conditions. And also just to give you a little bit of background about how we have traveled over the past two years, we travel in different ways, obviously things change all the time, but parts of the way that we traveled where we spent four months traveling in a camper van across Europe in 2018. So that was a specific style of travel and we'll discuss also the exercise and eating and things related to camper van traveling where you are in some ways a lot more in control of what you do and in other ways a lot more limited because you've only got the space available to you that you have. And then for the past year, we've been traveling around Asia, mostly staying in 
apartments and hotels. So you have a little bit more space around you sometimes. But the food choices are not always exactly what you would like to have. So that was maybe more the challenge over the last year. Okay. So we're going to focus first on fitness, I think, that's to start with. And we'll touch on why we think it's necessary to uh, work on a good fitness regime and maybe find something that works for you on the road or so what you could possibly be doing. And then we'll touch just on some food issues and what our experience was and maybe what we can suggest good work for other people. So why, why do we... Why do we want to exercise, Lisa? I don't know. Why do we even bother? Why do, why do we, we just bother? lie in bed and read a book all day? There's, there's a weird thing. There's a term called um, blogger bod. <laughs> Ever heard of blogger body? Can you have blogger bod without being a blogger? <laughs> if you're a blogger, there's a very real possibility you spend more time behind a PC than uh, the average person. And you could uh, set yourself up for a few days or a few weeks at a time writing. And then... In a blink of an eye, you got a blogger bod. <laughs> I guess that's not the one with a six pack. <laughs> no, that's not a good kind of bod. No, well, I must say, I mean, for me, what's important reasons why I spend energy and some effort on trying to work on fitness is because when we're traveling, I want to be able to do cool things. I want to, whenever we go, particularly in Asia, I want to climb up volcanoes. I want to climb mountains and get good views, whether it's in the city or out in nature. Um, there's always some physical activity that allows you to experience more of your travel. And then, of course, when you're traveling, what's very important, I realized this time in Lombok, is being able to run with a seven, eight kilogram backpack on your back to try and make a connecting flight. Is that your sole purpose for exercise? Well, I was just so grateful in that moment that I could, I knew that if I took a steady pace, I wasn't able to keep up quite with you, but if I kept a steady pace, I would be able to run with that backpack on. Lisa's sole purpose for exercising so she could run for connecting flights. Hey, otherwise it would have cost us a lot and we would have been delayed. It would have been over our visa. It would have just been a pain. Whereas this side, I just had to sit sweaty on a flight for a few hours. <laughs> a while. I felt more sorry for the guy next to me. Oh, wait, that was you. That was me. <laughs> and it was, well, yes. Uh, okay. And of course, in doing that, I guess what came from that is that I felt good about myself. I didn't feel just all blobby and, you know, lazy. I felt good that I could run that distance. And also being fit and eating healthier does make one feel better about yourself. Not necessarily in the way because of the way you look, but the way you feel. If you eat well, you don't feel bloated. And that's great. It's, it's nice to feel good generally when you're traveling. So that on a day where you're going somewhere, like, oh, I feel lazy today. I feel blah. Um, because blur is a real term if you don't feel good. And those are the reasons why I like to exercise and try and watch what I eat. Well, I agree with everything you said. And the thing is, if you travel, it's very easy to fall into bad habits. You could quite easily succumb to big buffet breakfasts or beer every sunset on the beach and... Maybe as a result, you just drink too much or it means that you're going to sleep later or not as well. And by implementing some form of formal exercise regime, you make it a little bit easier to stick to something specific. And by and if you get to a certain level of fitness, it's a lot easier to motivate yourself to keep going. Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, it's like because you also know that 
it's, it's very easy to slide back a little bit. Mm, and it's so much harder to reach that point for again. For sure. If you maybe been training for a month or two months and you get a cold or flu, which happens a lot on the road, mm. um, then it's it's easy to make an excuse because you, you're you going to lose a week or two, you won't be able to exercise. And generally speaking, it's, it's easy to make excuses when you're on the road because you keep moving. So oh. every destination has its own challenges. But for me, I think the the motivation particularly is to increase my range of motion, my mobility, and just my overall strength. Once you get a bit older, uh, you start understanding and appreciating uh, the the strength of your youth that has gone by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't all have 20-year-old bodies anymore. And Some of us have two. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us uh, at 50 has t- definitely the equivalent of two 20-year-old bodies. bodies. And, and not, the, not the slender kind, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So it's, it's as important, if not more important than ever before, to um, focus on the benefits of exercise primarily mobility and strength. And I think also just touching on that is what you said with regards to aging. It's not always about the now. So I spoke about feeling good today and being able to do things. But a lot about it for me, also the motivation is not in today, but in later. Long term. In long term is that you can't be lazy now. I'll be able to walk around the city and maybe I'll climb the mountain. I might be sore tomorrow, things like that. But in 10 or 20 or 30 years time, when I'm 60 or so, I don't want to be immobile then. I want to be able to move around and still be active, still be traveling and doing things. And I know that I can't wait until then to do something about it. I have to stay active and fit and mobile now if I want to be that way in 30 years' time. I always say, and this is not my quote per se, but it's something everybody should take to heart, is that you don't wake up at the age of 65 and say, oh, I'm going to start training to run a marathon if I've never walked around the block. Mm. I'm not saying you cannot do it, but the fact is that if you cultivate a healthy regime for exercise it's something that carries you throughout your life but you have to start doing it now and there shouldn't be any excuses and this is where when you travel full-time it can really really become very challenging because you don't know where you're going to sleep tonight you're going to know is there space for you to exercise what could i possibly be doing even if it's something simple as going for a run is it even possible So these are the kind of challenges we sort of have to deal with in a way. And we'll touch on some some options we could offer. I, I, I think lastly, one of the big motivating factors for me where it's important not only to eat well, because I think we're focusing on the actual physical side, but although they go hand in hand, is just if you're fit and strong, you reduce your risk of injury generally. Absolutely. And also of just succumbing to sickness and yep. general illnesses exactly having a stronger immune system and like you said exactly. just those silly things walking over rocks in a river you're less likely to twist your ankle or uh, for things sure. like that those small sprain silly your back. injuries silly things. and it's uh, just a lot easier to just do things mm-hmm. you, know? uh, you don't feel like you're exerting huge amounts of effort just to climb up to a viewpoint or mm. to swim out this into it the becomes ocean a lot more fun for sure and, and often sure. then when you do that, you also realize you're getting exercise and it's fun doing so. And it just becomes so much more of a pleasurable experience. Exactly. So those are our reasons and motivations to exercise. It would be very curious to hear some of your reasons or what motivates you to stay fit. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what you can do and how you can do it, especially while traveling. One thing we have found is that there's a few types of exercises that it's just easier to do when you travel, obviously. 
I think the one thing that we really realized is a change is that running is definitely one of the easiest cardio exercises to get no matter where you are. Generally speaking, that's I would agree with you. However, there are some locations where running is really difficult, mm. especially in big cities. Uh, we have What we've tried to do is whenever we go into a city and we know we're going to stay for a few days or a week, try to s- scope out the... This, the the op- options for running routes before we actually choose a accommodation spot, and the way we, the, what we found that does work well is if you use Strava and you look um, on the website or on the app and you see who's actually plotted routes in that specific area before, that gives you an idea of is there running routes nearby. Otherwise, you can find yourself uh, having to cross intersections. That being said. Obviously, you can find cities where it's just not possible to run at all. Mm. Like, try and do any sort of running in Kuala Lumpur. Oh, well, I'll tell you, the sidewalks are so uneven. There's so much traffic there. The pollution is insane. The, the traffic is the insane. <laughs> Unless you're in a place where there's an actual running track somewhere nearby, forget mm. about it. But that being said, we have found that running generally is the best way to have some sort of a regular exercise and it's also a really nice way to get out particularly when the weather is good obviously you don't necessarily want to go running so much in the rain but when it's fairly warm it's a nice it it allows you to get out and see a little bit more of your surroundings than you would if you were just visiting a place for sure that's what i quite like about actually putting the effort into finding accommodation which isn't a good place it's not that we primarily base it just on so that we can run from that destination but often you'll choose a place that's maybe river side location and there's a path along the river and it allows you to run there and enjoy that so often it places us also in good locations in the town thing is you tend to cover so much ground quickly when you go for a jog and it'll it'll actually place you in areas which you wouldn't have seen if you didn't go for a run Mm. And you might venture out into the countryside, and it's really remarkable where you actually can run and, and how much uh, of a different part of the world you expose yourself to if you venture out uh, just to look for a place to run. Yeah. So running, yes, but running is a, a fair weather activity. Now, we've been fortunate that we generally only choose fair weather locations, and that's part of uh, the way we travel. But we've also stayed long-term in places like for example we stayed in Penang for four weeks last year in Malaysia and in Langkawi Malaysia for four weeks and we had lots of rain so you, you got to be a little more flexible in the time of day you allow mm. yourself out for a run but I still like running and I think the reason why I like it is that it feels like I get a lot of value for the amount of time I put into it so the, uh, the effort versus the reward is very, very high. And you can also vary your intensity by yourself. So you can yes. decide, today I'm going to run at this pace, a bit slower, but further distance, or the next day you want to increase the intensity and run a shorter distance, but run it a lot harder and faster. Exactly. And I think when you we did the camper van trip, running is also the perfect, perfect kind of activity as you generally will stop or overnight in a place where where you are a little bit more remote and will be a space for you to venture outside. The only the downside of if you travel by camper van is you're going to get back to your camper quite sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, running does require a shower afterwards. So you will have to have some form of a um, shower situation sorted or swimming situation. That's one of the nice things also if you run. If you stay in a place where there's a pool 
you can have a quick sh- uh, rinse shower. down outside and hop in the pool afterwards. And uh, I must say, that I've always really enjoyed that after a run. And you can even stretch out and f- swim a few laps if you want. If you have not run before, don't go out and decide to run 5 or 10 k's. Mm. <laughs> if no. you are starting off with running, it's very important to start off slowly and to build up to being able to run 5 kilometers. We have got an article on how to run 5 kilometers in 8 or 9 weeks. And that's from being a couch potato. So if you're interested in starting to run, take a look on our website, www.wewillnomad.com, under our tip section, travel tip section. And there you will find an article on how to get yourself to be able to run 5Ks. And that's not running 5Ks in eight weeks. Because <laughs> that, like, that seems like that seems like a very slow run. That's just being able to run how to, consistent five yes, kilometers. How to work up to run five kilometers and over an eight week period training system. So yes. yes, be careful because you really, really easily can go out there on day one and hurt yourself, hurt yourself yes. and you will be so sore that for a week you won't be able to walk, and it'll be that much more difficult to motivate yourself to do it again. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to all of these exercises that we discuss. Is start slow. Start slowly and work yourself up to something. Don't go in there full speed, as is my inclination. Yes. On day one, wake up and, okay, today I'm going to start exercising. Overdo it, and then you can't walk for three weeks. Yes. That is not the no. recommended way. And I think the perfect exercise type to combine with uh, more extreme like running would be what, what you like, Lisa, is yoga. Yes. The one thing that I've managed to do over the last, oh gosh, years now consistently is yoga. And it really helps both when you are running and even if you aren't. You can also vary your yoga to be very relaxed and just for stretching. Or you can do a fairly intensive yoga workout where you're really working on muscle strengthening. I like uh, yoga as well. And once again, it's something that's very beneficial to you as you get older. Uh, It really, really adds to your level of flexibility, which in turn will lessen the likelihood of you being injured if you do another exercise. So if you run, but you combine it with yoga, it really, really helps to strengthen your, um, your, your joints. And, and your all, flexibility. And all the smaller muscles. I mean, I have yeah, issues feet, with my knees as well as my shoulder. And by doing yoga regularly and working on all those, strengthening the smaller muscles, I'm protecting my bigger joints and muscles, which otherwise gave me problems. And it really allows me to be able to run 5 and 8Ks now easily. I also find that yoga can be a good form of sort of uh, forced quiet time where you just shut yourself off from, you know, distractions around you. And even if it's, if you get stuck to your, your phone or whatever, and you can, you can immerse yourself into a session. It's almost like a form of meditation in mm. itself where you can just focus on your breathing and, and go through the exercises and you, you really do feel better afterwards. And for yoga, I use an app called Down Dog. And you also see that mentioned on our website under useful travel apps. And you can obviously either, it's great to have a yoga mat, and that's about the amount of space that you need to be able to do yoga. But even if you can't travel with a yoga mat, sometimes it's just not practical, you don't have your mat with you. All you really need, or what helps greatly, is yoga pause. So both for your hands and your feet, gives you a little bit of added grip. And even just using the pause and no yoga mat works really well. Exactly. Uh, if you have the right uh, surface, you can you can do it actually 
quite Almost easily. Anyway. anyway, you don't really need it. And, and you just have to sometimes, it's also an exercise in not caring about what other people think. Yeah. You went through Europe for four months in a camper van and I was able to do yoga pretty much in well, almost yeah. every spot. You have spot. to do it outside. And you do it outside and yes, people sometimes look at you and sometimes it's a great way to meet people and make friends. Exactly. So don't be too shy. No, um, no and the thing is, uh, the more fit you are, the easier it gets as well. So you're not going to sweat profusely. No. So that's why carrying a yoga mat when you travel is a challenge in itself. And I think Lisa went through how many I've tried yoga foldable mats? yoga mats. I've tried a yoga towel mm. because it's more flexible as opposed to a roll. And I've gone back to traveling with just a very light, very thin yoga mat that rolls up. I attach it to the outside of my backpack and I found that that was the, the best for me, but in combination with the yoga mm. pause also. Yeah, but I think, like I said, you, you don't actually need the mat and like if you are fit and you're not going to sweat much when you do yoga you can actually do it on any surface without yes. the risk of sliding that's what i feel anyway yes. but yoga as is obviously more suited to indoor uh, use as well so if the weather's bad do a session of yoga and you can also combine it with other body type exercises that you can do in a confined space like we also do like short workouts, which combines a number of uh, more high-intensity sequences. And if you look at the, what did you mention, the yoga app? The Down Dog Yoga Down Dog app. Down Dog Yoga the app. developers there, they have a couple of apps, and they also have in this line of high-intensity interval training two apps. One is the seven-minute workout, which gives you seven minutes of high-intensity like interval training. training. Interval training. Mm -hmm. And you can focus on upper body, lower body, but it's a seven-minute high-intensity workout. Or they have a second app, which is called HIIT, H-I-I-T. And that one, you can, it gives you more flexibility to make a longer workout. You enjoy that one because it gives you a longer workout and more settings. Yeah, you can sort of customize it to sort of which areas or what body parts you want to work out and if you want to rotate it and how long you want to do it, what the interval settings are. I really like like that as a, as an alternative. And you, you, you look, I, I think the important thing is you've got to f figure out what works for you. And keep it as simple as possible so you can stick to it. Mm -hmm. Figure out a routine. Say you want to try and exercise at least four times a week. I would say you actually ex exercise every single day. Mm -hmm. And alternate it between like stretching uh, or yoga with maybe more high intensity style workout like running or then um, body weight workouts. Yeah, I'm trying to mix up getting cardio exercise as well as muscle training yes, and then flexibility. And Those three things strength. really, I think. Your yeah. cardio, you're working on your muscles to get tone and strengthen as well as flexibility so that you don't injure yourself. The other way of exercising that we found worked fairly well in the camper van was we had bicycles with us and we were able to go cycling. So when we mm. were in the camper, we did a bit less running but we did quite a bit amount a fair amount of cycling that's true however um, i think cycling is personally for me more of a leisure activity and uh, a way of exploring the, the area in the neighborhood because if you really want to train you have to cycle quite hard and fast 
so it's a different type of quite exercise. Spend a lot of time yes. on it as well yeah. compared to running. Exactly. But if you are in a camper van and you do have a bicycle, or if you wherever you are traveling and you've got access to a bicycle, it can be a very good way to also get sure. outside and get some good exercise. But I think the important part is you got to establish some sort of a routine, and the only way to do that is to, to commit to spending say an hour a day on exercise. And an hour a day sounds like a lot, but I, I promise you, if you figure out how much time you just spent on your phone or sitting and doing twiddling your thumbs and nowadays actually nothing and we find it works best to do it first thing in the morning yes. to get it done so that you and it gives you such a positive feeling and a good start for the day yeah exactly and the other tip that i'd like to give is that what i found is don't make excuses immediately and say that okay well today we're going to go climb up to this viewpoint or climb this mountain so, so we're gonna not going to exercise <laughs> because inevitably something happens and you don't end up doing that and then you didn't exercise that day rather just vary your exercise so i'm not saying you should do step training on the day that you're going to climb a hill or go and run just before you're going to do something like that but then make sure you do a yoga that day do or something. high intensity interval training something to that effect um, but make sure that you do still get up and do your training no matter what your plan for the day is and then if you are very active that day well done and you can maybe rest the day after the the thing is if you have a routine and you stick to it you're also a lot less likely to make poor choices yes. otherwise so you're less likely to stay out late and party every night you're less likely to go for that burger at midnight and you're less likely to drink too much because you're going to feel terrible the next morning and it's going to be that much harder to actually do your exercise. Yeah, if you feel terrible when you're running, then it's you regret this, your decisions from the night Absolutely. If you if you want to feel sorry about your choices, go for a run with a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but if you have exercised in the morning, you will tend to want to make better choices throughout the day yes. because you won't necessarily start your day with a piece of cake absolutely. after you've been for a run. You might think twice about it. So let's, uh, I, th I think you've mentioned, we've got a few articles on our blog and you, you guys should go have a look at that if you want to see a bit more. I, I want to just add one long thing about the fitness really which i think helps both of us quite a lot now this is not something you you need to have or have to do but we both wear fitness trackers and it adds value in a number of ways in my opinion now some people call it smart watches some people call it fitness trackers or i think we pr primarily use it for tracking our activity levels as well as our sleeping patterns. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a good indication of uh, how consistent are you getting to bed at the right time or how what quality of sleep are you getting, what time are you waking up in the mornings and also generally just what how active are how you? How active are you? How yeah. active are you? And I know it's a lot of people scoff at the idea that you need to track your, your activity levels but it does serve as an additional motivation to get you moving and it also helps a lot to uh, give you an overall sort of idea of how much you have done, especially if you run with a fitness tracker that has a GPS uh, built into it. And you can afterwards go look where you've been, what your pace was, what your average heart rate is, and just you can see those improvements in your overall fitness. And I think that adds as a motivation to keep going. Absolutely. And not only that, but it, it serves another function with regards to general health and well-being. So what I like is that if I generally run five kilometers in a day, I know what pace I should be running at, and I know what my average heart rate and my maximum heart rate is for that run. If I wake up in a day and I just feel a little bit groggy or so, and I go out and I run, 
and I see that my heart rate was still good, my pace was good, everything. I know I was just feeling lazy that morning. Mm. But if I realize that on that morning, I was really struggling, my heart rate is that much higher, I almost have this little heads up on my body is feeling fatigued, maybe my immune system is down, and I need to up my immune system because I'm getting sick. Yeah, exactly. So it definitely helps you to, uh, to to learn a lot about your body and your fitness routine. So that's, that's I think, a last little comment I want to make. Let's uh, move on. I know this is primarily fitness-related discussion while you travel, but I feel that we have to add a little bit more on eating as well. I'm going to add one more tip on fitness, <laughs> and that is what also helps can be is to give yourself some sort of motivation in the form of a commitment calendar, something where you can mark off, where be it color in a little block or something to show that you have achieved something and you have exercised for that day. That can also be a good way of keeping yourself motivated. Well, I'm not really into calendars, but there's, there's actually a better way to do it. You can use an app specifically designed to track your exercises and also combine it with a some sort of a eating log. Yeah, eating yeah. Log. And this brings us to sort of the the last part of this discussion about eating. Now, look, let's be honest. When you travel full time, it's hard to eat healthy all the time. Now, I made a comment here in the chat notes. It says travel makes eating well easy if you have an unlimited budget, because <laughs> <laughs> then you can pick and choose from the best restaurant and you can probably have the most amazing meals that suit your diet perfectly but unfortunately if you travel to remote areas or if you on a tighter Traveling budget, a budget like us. it's not that easy to always eat well or you're not always in control of the food that's also partly why we try in some places to stay longer at a time in a place where we have access to a kitchen and we can cook at least our own breakfast so we have more control over what we eat and this no. is where it was a lot easier in the camper van in Europe compared to in Asia. Exactly. So, I mean, you don't want to defeat the purpose of traveling and not expose yourself to food of that culture or of that country of or course. area. But you have to be wary that you don't just throw all caution to the wind and go crazy. Because the, the real fact of the matter is that diet is more important than exercise. Yeah. Obviously, there's some other bad habits like smoking and drinking, which is not great. But if you, especially if you're prone to uh, being overweight, like I am, genetically, I'm just, I, I say genetically, obviously, I just eat too much. <laughs> <laughs> genetically and socially, I'm predisposed to picking up a few kilograms here and there. Same as all the rest of us. That's uh, true. And the, 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 the truth of the matter is that we generally just eat too much. Yeah, we, we eat too much and too much of the wrong things. And the wrong choices, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, it's, it's very hard to, I think, overeat on a bag of apples. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very, very easy to overeat on a bag of chocolates or... or, or well, those or nice uh, banana breads or yes. baked goodies. Yes, baked goods. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, and... One way to sort of deal with that is to track your meals. I know it sounds crazy, but you have to understand how many calories your body needs to function. And you have to figure out what exactly am I putting in my mouth? And am I even close to that target? So if you're serious about stay, sticking to your weight and or losing weight, then you have to put a bit more effort into tracking what you eat. Now, there's a lot of people that's thin who don't care what they eat and just go crazy, it doesn't make them healthy. And I think this is an important distinction. Just because you're thin, you, 
doesn't make you a healthy person. Just because you're thin doesn't mean you shouldn't watch what you eat. So from our perspective, we find it's important to track uh, certain components of our meals and especially the sort of the macronutrients. These are primarily carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And if you can figure out what balance of those three components are in your meals, then it'll help a lot to aid your uh, overall impression of what you eat. And not only that, but also just the number of calories, like you said earlier, yes. because we generally eat too much. And sometimes you wonder, oh, why am I putting on weight? And then if you just for three, four, five days maybe, track what you eat. And it's very easy to do these days with the app on your smartphone. Yes. And you realize, oh, this is actually the number of calories that I'm putting in my body. Versus what I need. Versus what I need. No wonder I'm putting on weight. And then you can start analyzing and go into it and realize, oh, but hold on. Half of my daily consumption comes from the slab of chocolate and ice cream every evening you just can't say no to. wine you have Mm. at night. And when you realize that, you say, that's actually the only change I need to make. I don't need to meet half the amount of food during the day. That's right. It's these extra little things that add up. For sure. Look, it's mostly the snacking. It is mostly the indulging. It's those, the, the things we know it's bad for us is actually adding up. And then you're able to make a smart choice and say, well, okay, let me cut this out. I still want a treat today. So I'll have my couple, two blocks of chocolate and not have... Three bags of fries or a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) But it gives you the information to make an informed choice as to what's important to you and what does your body need and choose from that. Yeah, so one tool you can use to help you is, I mean, I'm sure there's a number of apps. It's not like we're promoting one above the other, but MyFitnessPal is very, very handy. It usually integrates with your fitness tracking software, so it'll feed your fitness routines straight into it and you can also set up your profile there and get an idea of how many calories you should be consuming you can sort of tailor make your 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 macronutrient profile and then if you go to the next step where you sort of enter into the app what you're consuming it'll give you a much better idea and it's really easy to enter what you eat these days everything is that you can scan barcodes of food right. or you can just search it and the, the database is just Vast. incredible mm. anything that you can possibly exactly. think of is there and already captured so it's really easy to do um, it's not a matter of reading the ingredients off a package and having to enter them individually. No, the for sure. The hard work has been done. For sure. You quickly learn what works for you. One thing we've sort of established is that if you stay in a place for a little bit longer and you do a bit of planning, you can eat better and more healthy. Uh, that's one of the things we normally talk about when we talk about budget travel is like a lot of time you can actually eat for cheaper. If you eat local food, you go to markets and you go to cheap local restaurants. But it's not necessarily the best food for you. So sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, okay, maybe I just go to the, the, the market or the supermarket and I buy some vegetables and I'll just cook it up myself. Uh, it's not the authentic experience, but this is actually a better choice for me. And one thing we find that really helps, no matter how you eat, is to stick to, the, to cutting out refined sugar and carbohydrates as much as possible. If you can just... Cut the the fries and the pizza and the chips and chips anything and sugar and sugar. It's it's already going to make a massive difference. You don't even have to follow a specific sort of eating regime. Mm. If you obviously some some countries are it's easier to follow more of a vegetarian diet than others, or it doesn't matter what your your preferences are. But we found 
sugar and carbohydrates is the number one culprit. Yeah, for us. cutting out those refined carbohydrates, like you say, and sugars, mm. and going for whole foods. If you can identify your food, what it Green is vegetables. and where it came from, mm. that's generally a good sign. To but say you know, that it's good what's eating. strange, though, you spoke about it earlier, is that feeling bloaty, feeling groggy, mm. the moment you eat certain food types, you you're more that. prone to feel like that. Yes. If you, if you have a, a pizza... It's not about that the pizza's got, okay, it is high in calories, not the cheese, but it's actually the flour, you know, yep. the, the carbohydrates uh, that adds up. And that's going to make you bloaty tomorrow yep. morning, whether and it's the yeast or otherwise. cut it out and you've been eating well or healthy and feeling good, you just need to introduce one baked cupcake with a lot of sugar and refined carbohydrates, things like that, and you It'll will you feel back. it the next day mm. <laughs> or sooner even. Yeah. Even 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 worse, we found is like, if you eat well in the morning, and you eat the right food, there's a very good chance that you will not feel like snacking throughout, throughout the, the day. The day. Mm -hmm. And this is one thing we try and do: we focus on our breakfast. We go we go big. <laughs> if we can find vegetables, spinach, bok choy, avocado, we have eggs normally, and, eggs. and that's and we try and just load up on on those kind of good uh, nutrient dense foods as breakfast. Then we find that we're just not snacky during the day. Yep. And ironically, if you eat poorly in the mornings, if you're the kind of guy who's just gonna have an espresso and a biscuit, you're gonna get you're gonna be starving. And you're going to make poor choices, poor choices as a result. the rest of the day. And I mean, I think what we're also not saying here is that you should not ever indulge or have something nice. And we have plenty of treats and things oh, like yes. that. Oh, yes. Just look at our but, Instagram feed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want to go and see where the best... How many ice creams do we eat in Ljubljana? And yeah. we're only there for two days. Yeah. <laughs> On that topic, actually, sorry, let me just interrupt. Elisa actually started doing sort of a food log uh, during our travels, which, which proved to be quite interesting. The idea is to take a picture of every meal we have and then put it on a daily Instagram account. And it's remarkable. Obviously, it's it's interesting to go go back and look, just to to sort of remind yourself. Oh, we were in Taiwan and we had this amazing meal at this market. What was that again? So it's, that's great. Other days, oh, we were we spent four weeks in the same place. Hell, we ate the same food. <laughs> it was very boring, <laughs> but it's still quite nice to actually have that that form of accountability. Yes. Uh, in a weird way. And it's interesting when you actually do at the end of the day look at everything that you've eaten for that day. Mm. You realize, oh my gosh, today we really overdid we it. <laughs> we, we had loads too much of ice cream or, or too, too much uh, Malaysian treats. Or other days you can see, okay, today we actually ate what we needed to eat and sure. what we should have eaten. Sure. So this could be a good way to motivate yourself without going through a hell of a lot of effort. Mm. I mean, it's not like this Instagram account is followed by many people. In fact, you can keep it private if you prefer, but it's a form of accountability to yourself yes. in a way. And I think it's important that you're honest with yourself about uh, what you put into your body. And it gives you just a visual reference of what you ate for the day. Because sometimes we don't realize that you ate three packs of chips, two chocolates, uh, <laughs> a couple of cans of soda, oh, yes. all of those things. When you add it up, you realize, oh my word, I had all of that in one day. But that's exactly, it. Comes, in a way, it comes back to using an app like MyFitnessPal because you, you have to be accountable. Yes. You have to be honest. It's no point lying to yourself. I can like say, oh, no, I actually didn't have two glasses of wine. I only had one <laughs> and I enter it as such. But I, it's, what's the point then? You've got to be honest with yourself. And that's the only way to give you insight into your overall well-being. So 
And I, I think, think that's the other place where thing you can easily get caught out is with alcohol, sugary drinks. Use alcohol, sugar. Those Ooh, are calories that you sure. can consume without realizing it. Uh, alcohol is a bad one, very bad. Uh, generally, we don't drink much. Lisa, you don't really drink at all. You'll maybe feel like the odd beer on a, on a sunset occasion. On a but sunset, it's, it's, it's also yeah. one of those things you just have to get over. That you, like you say, you can't have a beer with every sunset. I mean, you can, but you're not going to feel good the next morning all the time, and no. it's going to show around the waistline. Yeah, we do it as much for budget as we do it for our waistlines. But if I can leave you with one tip, is watch out for alcohol. It's, it's like hidden calories of note. I want to say actually all drinks. Because you'll be so surprised. Fancy coffees, oh, yes. um, milkshakes, Everything. juices, Stick fruit juices, which are laden with sugar. Mm. Any type of drink, be very, very Yeah, cautious. even fruit itself. You've got to be watchful yeah. that you, especially like in the East, you travel and you get uh, shakes and lassies and smoothies. What you don't know is that fruit isn't actually sweet. No. <laughs> they chuck a whole ladle of sugar, in, sugar. There, sugar in there or condensed milk mm. or something. The one other thing is, like I say, when you're traveling particularly, you don't want to not try the different food and that may include gelatos or amazing ice creams here sure. and there. Treat yourself. But one of the things that you can do is to try not to have two bad meals in a row. So if you did have pizza tonight, make sure that tomorrow night you get vegetables. For sure. Uh, and just try and be moderate about when and how you eat badly. Yeah, just don't say, oh, screw it. I know. We, we, we made a bad choice. Now I'm succumbing. Yeah. Oh, well, I had one ice cream. I <laughs> no. might as well have 10. <laughs> tonight you go for that run or you go for a nice broth soupy thing. Or and tomorrow you go back into your routine. You eat well and you say no to temptation. And you will come out feeling better. And you're going to travel better and you're going to be more healthy and we'll be able to do more as a result. And I want to say one other benefit that I hadn't really thought about until we had this discussion now is that the routine, you were saying that routine is so important to be able to keep fitness, maintain fitness and eat healthy. But in saying that, having that routine also makes travel a bit easier sometimes and it's quite good for you. No, for sure. The routine is absolutely important. There's one of the things people always wonder about when you become a sort of a full-time traveler um, we take routine for granted. When I say we, normal people, uh, because you get up in the morning, you have certain things that you have to do. You have to maybe fix breakfast for your spouse or your children. You have to drive to work or you have your kids to school. You have to go to work. You have to, you have to go pay the bills. You have to go back home. Uh, you know you're going to sleep tonight. You know what you're probably going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning. So it's a routine that's, that's part of your life that you might find mundane, but the moment you don't have any structure in your life, it's very important to find routine in other ways, just to keep yourself motivated. Otherwise, you could very easily just procrastinate and not feel any sense of accomplishment. And finding that routine in the form of exercise and eating is a well good start. is a very good start. Absolutely. And then if you're wondering now, well, hmm, I wonder if full-time travel is for me or not. We can also have a listen to some of our other episodes. We've got our episode two is all about whether full-time travel is for you. Or then in episode 13, our process to becoming nomads. 
And you can also wonder, we've now traveled fast and we've traveled slow. And there's always a big debate amongst travelers and holiday makers. Yeah, what what is difference? better, traveling fast or traveling slow? You can listen to our episode 25 where we have that discussion. Hopefully you guys are motivated to get out there and get some exercise. Watch out for those blog bods. Watch out for those <laughs> beer bods. Go take a look at our website, wewillnomad.com for some of our articles. You can see how to run five kilometers from being a couch potato and also see the travel apps that will help you to track your fitness as well as what you eat fantastic okay guys thanks for tuning in and we hope uh, we could uh, share some of our experiences with you if you have some ideas you're welcome to drop us an email or go comment on one of the posts on our website and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening thanks lisa Ciao. bye